Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. It's good to be on the podcast again with you, Ben. It's felt like it's been forever. I know. Summer just um, throws things off with traveling and different ministry things. So, yeah. How you been? I've been doing great. The uh, I've been really busy. Uh, we've gone to some camps and stuff like that recently. I've actually, one of the guests we're going to have on, I've spent last week with at a camp. Uh, we will be having vacation coming up this next week, a very much needed vacation. But how about you? How have things been around Curtis Baptist? Uh, it's going okay. We have had a busy summer here as well. So school is about to get back in gear. So that brings its own set of challenges and exciting things. So I'm um, looking forward to that. But um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what the Lord has in store. Yeah. Well, you know, we both mentioned what's going on with our church and the busyness of our church. And without question, we're not the only ones that are busy at our church right now. And we've had some of that busyness with other people that are very busy at our church. Specifically speaking, the other ones, other uh, staff people at our church that are involved in Next Generation Ministry. Uh, so today we kind of have a special treat for our listeners and a special treat for us as well. We're going to have on the podcast the Children and Women's Director at our church, Sarah Sleet at Faith Family Church, and as well as we're going to have uh, somebody somebody you know, right, Ben? Yes, we have the Reverend Corwin Kulig. Uh, he's sitting across from me here. He is our student pastor at Curtis, and so he and I work closely together. Wonderful. So, well, that without much further ado, you know, I'd love to hear from our guests. So, uh, so Sarah and uh, Corwin, you guys, how are you guys doing? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, doing good. Just love to love to be here. Yeah, we're really happy to have you guys here. So, I want to ask you guys: uh, Could you guys tell us a little bit about how you serve in Next Generations Ministry and why you serve in Next Generations Ministry? Sarah, if you could answer first. Well, I'll start off saying I've uh, been serving in children's ministry and women's ministry here in uh, North Central Maryland, Finksburg area, for the past 12 years. And um, Next Gen Ministry has kind of, um, that title has come about since I've been serving in children's ministry. Um, so I've, I'm fairly new to the the concept and idea of the, the connected vision and working together with um, the next gen kind of student pastor at our church, but very uh, passionate about serving children and their families and encouraging them uh, in their their walk uh, with the Lord and in uh, discipling their kids the best that they can. And uh, so I'm excited to, to get involved in next gen ministry as we bridge that gap from children's ministry into the teen ministry. Awesome. Thank you so Great. much. I'm so glad to work with you, Sarah. I want you to know that. Thanks a bunch. Wonderful. And Corwin. Yeah, so I, um, I serve as the student discipleship pastor here at Curtis Baptist Church. I've been here about a year and a half, uh, but to get all together serving in next-gen ministry has probably been about two and a half years. I served as an intern for a year um, in Gwinnett County, Georgia. Um, but 
man, why do it? Well, first, God's called me to it, so that's first and foremost why. But um, then as well, you know, God saved me um, when I was in uh, youth ministry as a, as a youth. I was in between sixth and seventh grade. And so that's always had a, um, a piece of my heart, just student ministry, next-gen ministry. And, you know, growing up in a home where um, God was not the center, um, that's and I really relied on my student pastor and uh, godly family. So that's that's probably why you know I relate so well to the next gen ministry and um, just kind of found my niche there. Very good. Well, yeah, it's it's good to, to get a little bit of that background. Um, so, and, and we'd like to hear from both of you on this. But is a connected vision between children and youth ministry the norm of what you've seen in church ministry? Corbin, why don't you go first? Um, no, it is not. Definitely not. It's needed, but it's definitely not the norm. Mm. Sarah, what what have you experienced? I would agree with him. I think um, in my experience anyway, and the, the churches that I've come up in as a member, um, and while I was uh, training in seminary, and even as I've been serving, I think um, children's and youth ministry have tended um, in most situations that I'm aware of, have been kind of their own um, self-standing ministries. So uh, that connected vision between the two is is something new to me and, frankly, very attractive to me. Thanks a lot. Great. Yeah, Ben, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, I think probably I've got a similar experience. Uh, you know, I've seen some more of that recently and, and heard of people who are trying to bridge that, that gap and seeing the need for it and um, the great helpfulness that it can bring. But uh, for sure, that's not always the case. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, for the confusion of voice uh, that among all the men voices, you can easily identify me as the least Southern <laughs> voice in the <laughs> So... I would definitely say it's been far from it. Um, you know, I think one demonstration of that has been the response that even uh, the Southern Baptist Convention itself has has given to try to see this kind of connected mentality. Uh, you know, there's the Edge Conference that has come around recently, which I think is really great, and I haven't been able to go, but it kind of was created in a response to a need of seeing that kind of disconnected nature between children and youth and family ministry. Uh, the And I think even in certain elements, you know, gospel centers ministry, for example, and my perspective is catching up a little bit in youth ministry, uh, whereas I think that years ago, I mean 25 years ago, that Children Desiring God, I think, really paved some of that path in children's ministry, although there are many great resources in that kind of sense with youth ministry. Uh, I think likewise, you know, there are many churches that are fun first, and at least one of them. It might be a church that is very Bible-saturated and gospel-centered in the youth ministry, but fun first in the children's ministry or vice versa. And I think far too many churches operate under those kind of mutually exclusive visions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sadly so. Now, what is the danger of these kind of compartmentalized visions in next generation ministry for the local church? I'd love to hear your perspective first, Sarah. Um, I think the danger in that is is just what you said in the the question. It's kind of compartmentalized those departments for for lack of a better term and while the church as a whole may meet and have a um a 
unified vision of how they'd like to to reach the community and to reach their members, then we just kind of go off into our own corners and plan our own uh, our own events and our own activities and our own curriculum. And we tend to just not check in with the the other uh, department and find common places where we could actually work together and serve together and um, even improve and do better together than we are separately. Um, so I just think that's that's one of the dangers in my mind. What do you think of that, Corwin? I completely agree. You know, um, I think one reason that it's so easy to be compartmentalized is because we just kind of get going with the, the ebb and flow of things and just you know <laughs> get so bogged down with busyness. Um, and so it's easy to just get focused. Well, this is my ministry area. I don't really need to worry about what Ben's doing or don't need to worry about what they're doing. I just need to worry about what I'm doing. God called me here to be the student pastor. But, you know, I think the danger of that is we try and build all these silo ministries where, like Sarah was saying, we really run into a danger of we're trying to build ourselves up, you know, and, and trying to build our kingdom instead of God's and, and really you know, I want to be known for the cause of Christ, not the cause of Corwin. You know, I want I want to to make disciples of all peoples, not just students. You know, yes, primarily that's my focus because that's what God's called me here to do. But that starts in the in the two K. You know what I mean? It starts in in the nursery, and so um, I think that's a big danger of I think as well. Um, you know, maybe we we run into this a little bit of and I'm not saying it's bad because it's cool to build excitement. And when we have fifth graders coming up in the middle school, it builds excitement for the, the student ministry here. But um, it's those fifth graders like, man, I don't, I want to be up there where, where Corwin is. I want to be up there where my older friends are, where my brothers are. And and if we're not trying to bridge that gap, you have this awkwardness of, uh, well, you still have another year. So let's make the best of, we call it next kid here, of next kid. And then next year you can come to Curtis Student Ministry and so it has this danger of, well, I'm not going to be satisfied where God has me now because I want to be up there. Um, and so that could be a big danger if we're not unified in the vision um, and we're kind of compartmentalizing. You, you're kind of, in a way, uh, building favorites and you're, it just could be real bad, real dangerous. I totally agree there. And I've, I've seen that in especially our fourth and fifth graders as they are looking to uh, to to launch off into the middle school years, uh, you know, a year or two early, they're just glorifying that, oh, once they get to youth group, they're going to be so happy about it. But right now they're, you're, they're missing out on uh, what we have for them in, uh, in elementary grades. Yeah. And I, I think you're, you're so right there, you know, and what's funny though, is, you know, Ben, we've worked, we've worked hard to try and, and we still have a lot of work to do, but we've tried to be really unified and work together on things. But, and it's like, we just have more freedom to not necessarily, and it's not like we're, we're having jump houses and food trucks and, you know, there's some churches that do that, you know, <laughs> but, but it's, we're just getting into the word and it's just, it's just different because Ben, I think has the harder ministry in the sense of he's got a, he's got to bring the word for someone that's in second grade or younger. And then also for fifth grade where I can just kind of give it to a high schooler and it's good for all, all my, all my grades, you know? So um, it's a challenge, but I think it's a worthy challenge to fight. 
Um, I think practically what makes bringing those those departments together um, in, in unified vision, just in, in my situation, um, I'm on staff full time here and um, our youth uh, our youth worker, our youth leader has has been working a full time secular job and he, you know, does has done an amazing job and, you know, running in at the 11th hour has, you know, full time job, full time career and family. And so we've just not had that opportunity to connect literally time wise. Um, and with uh, with Tony coming on staff here full time and literally being two offices away from me, that gives us that opportunity to have those semi regular uh, staff meetings, you know, to, to establish that that unity within the, the broader staff. And then, you know, he seeks me out and asks me. Um, my opinion and he seeks me out and asks me to meet with him and strategize and plan with things so plan things together in our ministries and so that's been you know a refreshing new thing that just the proximity of having um, a two full-time staff members helps tremendously but I would think even if you're not in that situation if you're not in a church that has literal offices that you you know can intentionally schedule that time with uh, whoever is in charge of this given um, these grades or uh, these years um, and just make that intentional uh, that you're going to get together and, and vision cast and touch base, even if it's every couple months or every few months, if you can't do it, you know, on a monthly basis or every two weeks, but make that a priority so that you can encourage one another and you can work together. That's good. Yeah, Absolutely th- agree with that. Yeah. I think it's Timothy Paul Jones. who's said you know otherwise you end up with a situation you sort of got an octopus without a brain you just got all these tentacles out there and and there's not really things connecting them um so we've identified some of the the dangers um if you don't have this unified vision uh, but how does it when things are compartmentalized how does that impact how parents disciple their kids Corwin, what, what do you think well i know you know <laughs> we're all in ministry so we understand this um, and I pray that those that listen, you can understand this as well. But, you know, I don't know how many times I've I've preached my guts out, you know, talked about the same thing a billion times to students. And then it's like a summer camp that's not even with the church, that's with this other church. Or we had a situation this past a few Sundays ago where we were in, I was teaching one of our life groups for the high school guys. And I just was, I've, it's been, it was a sermon that I preached on. It was a pastor that I'm familiar with. And I just said, guys, I want you to split up for 15 minutes. I want you to t- figure out what does the, this scripture say about the Holy Spirit. And I want us to come together and talk about it. And so they did. And they said, all three of us, we figured out that the Holy Spirit is a gift. And I, my mind was blown. These are high school guys, right? And so I've talked about this. They've grown up in church. It wasn't like some, you know, person down the street that's never been in church like these are people that grew up in our church and they just now realize the holy spirit was a gift and so as much reminders and many times as you have to put it in front of them i think parental discipleship starts and needs to continue and how it begins it starts and ends the same Um, and i think that that will be the best way we can impact parents to disciple their kids at home i think we must push them more than ever that discipleship starts in the home mm-hmm. and that starts younger and that doesn't need to change when they come to middle school, high school. Hey, you, you know, take a break for a little bit. You've been doing this since elementary, since they were born. 
why don't we take over the discipleship for a little bit? No, our philosophy here at Curtis is we want to build strong families so we can build a strong church. So discipleship, what you do when they are, I mean, even babies, you know, singing them Christian songs, maybe as they go to sleep, maybe even reading the scripture to them, you know, letting that word soak into their heart and, and, and mind and teaching them that when they're younger so that when they're older, one, they'll have the confidence to know that you are, as a parent, in the Word, and they can go to you for, for gospel advice. But then, two, it's not awkward for you as a parent to go and talk to your kid about gospel conversation because you did it when they were in second grade. And hopefully that is just building on it as well. And so I think compartmentalizing parental discipleship is a very dangerous thing because they may hear one thing from the family pastor, and then when they come to youth, it's something else. And so they don't know what to believe. You know, unfortunately, we live in a society where a big majority of parents are not as solid biblically as we think or would like them to be, you know. And so I think that's a huge danger um, in having different differenting, different ways to disciple parents. Smiling as he's sharing the story about these guys seeing that, but just the, the importance of parents pouring in all the way through. Uh, well, Sarah, how about you? I mean, how does uh, compartmentalization uh, affect how parents are discipling their kids across the board. Yeah, I think one of the the biggest words for me in ministry in general is the challenge of communication with parents. Do, do I hear an amen there? Um, and you know, all amen. the many yeah, ways right. that we try to communicate with parents, be it you know, phone calls, email, personally, text, social media. You know, we're just trying to gain their ear. And, and have them put things on the calendar and, and prioritize things in their families. But I know um, some things that we have focused on in children's ministry uh, for years, you know, scripture memory, the priority of scripture memory and just um, just getting these kids into the word and, and um, sealing that in their hearts. You know, they that's so often something that we teach in the younger years. But, you know, how important mm-hmm. is that to continue um, even right. into their teen years? You know, yeah. you don't let that end. And um, really modeling, parents modeling that, that time alone with God every day. Um, we don't, we, I think we take for granted, you know, we want to teach our kids to do that. But how important it is for them to see mom and dad doing that through those elementary years, through those teen years, and, and that continuity of you know things may things maybe things change in our lives and family schedules change and jobs change and but these are some of the things that they can see consistently in their homes and what gives them such a firm foundation and then i just think of you know some of my young families um they've really started this these family devotional times mm-hmm. uh, you know hopefully every night but you know if, it, if it's something that they do around the dinner table i've seen tony and his family do that around the dinner table or maybe it's right before bed and they climb into mom and dad's bed and do a, fa- a family devotional bust open that jesus storybook bible um but don't think that because your your teenager um is is older and and size wise larger and you know go ahead and keep doing that um have that that continuity and and family traditions um of things because they need it now more than ever in their teen years so doing and continuing those those family times uh throughout their lives i think that's so important i agree yeah yeah i think one other thing when you compartmentalize it can 
uh, and I think Corwin hit on this, but it can give the, uh, especially as you get to when the, when they're students, they're high school students, that kind of thing. But it can even be with uh, younger kids. But the, 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 we're the professionals here at the church, and so mm. you know we have lessons and all, you know specialists for all kinds of things. And so we have spiritual specialists here at the church that we pay or or who volunteer to do these different things. And so um, I think that that can uh, drive that wedge in there, and that's that's not healthy. Yeah, I think that's a really good point in there. You know, one thing I will add before we an- ask the next question is, uh, last week at CenterKid, Sarah and I were talking, and we were commenting on how, you know, we're called as those who really partner with parents to be the B team. The parents are the A team, you know. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't have Mr. T on their squad, they're the A team. <laughs> <laughs> they are, the buck falls primarily on them, and they're the ones that are going to make the most difference. And I think children and youth ministries of the church need to collectively come together and acknowledge that to realize that uh the week before i mentioned we were at uh we were at exfuge and i kind of experienced some dialogue with a church leader that really showed how that can conflict sometimes uh so i was, was a youth pastor of a different church and he was expressing how wonderful he thinks it is that he tells his youth every year that uh they they can communicate anything to him and he won't tell their parents anything that they tell him and uh you know he won't share any information with his parents he wants to make sure that they know that uh he really he he is their private spiritual uh leader in this sense and he's not going to relate this to any parents ever and uh then at the same time i checked the website on that church because that was curious and it said on the children's ministry we firmly believe that something like you know parents are the chief spiritual leaders are are their kids well are they or aren't they you know (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good example. Uh, a applicable example, but not a good one. Yeah, and I think I think too. Going back to parental discipleship, I'm Ben and I. We get have long conversations about this, so it's it's a big passion of mine. But um, I think we have to start pushing them and letting them understand that discipleship of their kid does not stop once they're saved. Mm-hmm. Hey, Amen. Like that, that's that's the so beginning. True. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like it's like almost like whew, the sweat's done. I'm, I, you know, we're good. They are not spending eternity in hell, um, and so the rest is is Corwin, Ben, Tony, Sarah. It's it's your job, you know, from there on. But but really, no, no, no. This is okay. Now they're saved. Now you can really start discipling your kid. Um, and you know, I there's a, plenty of examples. I'm sure where you're at, but there's one example here. Um, there's a young man I've been discipling for about a year. And, you know, he got radically saved at um, middle school camp last year, and um, it was awesome to see. And he, great kid, great family. And I just, you know, thought, you know, that the family talked about spiritual things in the home. That's just how good of a family it is. And so anyway, just found out it was not as much as spiritual as I thought. And, you know, but now it's pretty cool to see. But it was it was it was hard because I was just encouraging him. Man, talk to your parents about this stuff. I'm sure they would love to hear it. And he just said, man, I, I don't know. I don't really talk about – and keep in mind, it's not a high school. He was in – he was a middle school, okay? And and so – but I remember I just said, buddy, you got to tell your parents. They're going to celebrate with that. They're not going to be upset. And he had he expressed a call to ministry and all this stuff. Now he's telling his parents all this stuff God's doing in his life. He's trying to get one of his parents to go on a mission trip with him. It's pretty awesome to see how God's moving his life and how um, God is, you know – in a way, challenging the parents to step up and be that spiritual leader, you know. Um, and so it's pretty cool. And so I think we just gotta 
we just got to push parents to understand that the role of discipling their kids is ongoing. Even me as a 24 year old married, you know, I still, you know, um, my mom, she still pours into me a little bit, you know, yeah. she got, she got saved after I got saved. And so that was a little tricky, a little for at first, you know, but, but now she's thriving in the Lord and I see her disciple my sister and, you know, and she still encourages me and pushes me to the Lord. So it's, I think it's a never ending thing. So that's awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, children and youth are so different. You can't deny that. Uh, why would we want to share values and vision in these very different ministries? Although I will uh, say beforehand, one thing clearly, strangely, that the Unite Children and Youth Ministry right now is obsession with that bizarre game Fortnite. But anyway, I will... We were talking about our staff meeting earlier. <laughs> Well, uh, apart from Fortnite, uh, Sarah, what do you feel about that question? My first response is, oh, are they? Are they really that different? <laughs> Teenagers <laughs> and children, sometimes you got to wonder. No, seriously, <laughs> they are very different. But um, and especially working with children, as much as I do, they are just constantly longing to be um, where they are not. So they, you know, they want to be a teenager when they're still kids. And then once they're mm. teenagers, they want to be in college and away and independent and, and all that. But I think it's so important to share values because we need a strong team. Um, w be it, um, staff, be it parents, we have got to be on the same side to prepare these kids for the culture wars that are waging and um, I know we could sit here and list, you know, a dozen hot topics that are raging in the tabloids today that are raging in our high schools, um, just major um, political issues and social issues. And they are, if we think they're not, they have not made their way down to the topics um, around the water fountain and around the lunch table in our middle schools and our elementary schools. We're kidding ourselves. Um, and so these are concerns of even um, young children and, and uh, middle schoolers, not just our high schoolers. And I think parents are just blindsided um, with how to answer some of these really, really tough questions of, mm -hmm. uh, of significance that are really, really out there. And spiritually, we need to help them wrestle with these serious topics and, and help uh, prepare parents to um, just really uh, give their kids a biblical worldview. Because if we don't, um, you know, our time with them is so limited. If you think about it, uh, Tony and I are going to be leading a uh, a united student ministry meeting here in a couple of weeks, um, just to to kind of share that that shared vision with parents and volunteers across the different ministries. And um, I'm going to be handing out a a 20 year pocket calendar to all of our parents and and with the vision of when did your kid your kid graduate from high school? Okay, circle that date on uh, on this calendar and think about how many months. Between now and then, do you still have to prepare this precious child of yours to face the world? I mean, if, if they're leaving your home and heading off to college, how much time do you really have? And, and to really help parents to see that their time is so short, their time is so brief, and you have to be so intentional about what you're pouring into your kids. So 
um, it's just I just feel like it time is of the essence. We do not have any time to waste. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's good. Corwin, uh, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I love that calendar idea. I may steal that, Sarah. So I'll, I'll send you one. I'll, I'll have okay. a few extra. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, no, I mean, I think it, it should, it's right. I mean, why we alone, but let's not even get into the parent side. We as, as pastors and ministers only have a snippet of their life in reality, a snippet. And so why, why I think, Children's ministry and youth ministry, I think children's ministry should build on to what youth ministry becomes because it should be like more like building blocks, kind of like your math course. You can't go on to um, Algebra 2 if you don't know what's in Algebra 1, mm -hmm. right? And so really imagine much more of an impact if we as the church body would get more on board with um, do more unified ministry instead of silo ministry. And how much more we'd be able to reach if we were truly just building on the blocks and not not starting over. Okay, yeah, that was for next kid. Let's move on to the good stuff. You know what I mean? Or or that was for uh, VBS. Yeah, let's just that 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 was a wash. We're gonna we're gonna move on completely different. No, build on what you're learning, so then the gospel can be more prevalent and and more knowledgeable and more obvious in their life because they're building on um, these things. I think. Um, it can be overwhelming, you know. I, let's. This has. It kind of goes with it. But Craig Rochelle, he has a book, a devotional, um, Daily Power, I think. And I gave it to my my stepdad, and he was telling me that one of the things that Craig challenges them to do is don't look at the whole picture of your sin. Just pick one sin, and focus on it, and and give it to God, and so you don't get overwhelmed. And I think the same truth can be applied to this. Don't get so overwhelmed and go get so crazy on, um, you know, trying to make and, and do these crazy great things, but, but focus on the building blocks, focus on where God is leading y'all collectively and build on it. Don't just rush to be different, but, but build on what God is doing and what God is showing these kids, because we, we don't, like Sarah said, we have a snippet. We have no time in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. That's good. One thing uh, before you chime in, Ben, I do want to I want to add that uh, I really love what both of you guys said, but and I really think we see that both in children and youth ministries, both are partnering with parents' ministries. Uh, so both in that sense are family ministry uh, ministries. Uh, you know, you don't see that as much in uh, the retired ministry of the church. You know, the retired ministry is not as focused on how uh, we can get our 70-year-olds to be uh, shepherded by their 95-year-old grandparents. You know? <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm sure that would be fine, but, uh, you know, in both of these roles, we have to fundamentally understand that we're the partners of the parents. Uh, so, you know, I think that is the greatest commonality. Further, you know, to have that long view, like Sarah and Corin both were talking about, uh, and these ministries are so uniquely focused, need to be focused on that. And the entertainment first mentality, it's all about giving kids or youth the best possible Wednesday night or Sunday school, so Sunday morning worship experience that they can think of, make them the most excited. But that fails to think about 20 years ahead. Well, I think this kind of collective approach thinks, thinks far more than other approaches about what's going to happen 20 years from now, about where a child or a youth will be at spiritually when they're raising their own child and youth. Mm -hmm. I mean, the end goal is the same for, for parents, 
to, and it's to shepherd their kids towards Jesus. And so the mechanics of that may change uh, over time, but the end goal is still the same. It's like I mean, Corbin said it a little while ago that it does discipleship efforts don't stop at conversion. You know, it's an ongoing effort to teach them to observe all that Jesus commanded. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.